Riding around the city feeling 2.0 Cause I leveled up this year, case you never know Went half of the fam, went half of my bros Added comments to my stack and brands to my clothes Yeah man, so we got some special guests today Really know what it is Some of our people, we call them the chairs <laughs> I'm gonna let them introduce themselves, so go ahead people uh, So my name is Josh, I'm 25 years old I'm the co-founder of a startup called Credits Music And I'm also a business intelligence analyst as well And I'm married to the lovely Danielle Hi, I'm Danielle and I am an educator So I teach in a secondary school I'm also a public speaker So I go around um, UK into secondary schools Empowering young people to go above and beyond I'm also a founder of a movement called Transcend And we put on gospel productions across the UK it incorporates acting, singing and dancing and sends a message of faith through performance. Yeah, obviously you man, did you um see the video with like B Simone and Nick Cannon? Obviously, I guess some backstory on her in it. She's someone within like the last like maybe like 18 months has like sort of grafted on this entrepreneur thing and she's doing a lot of beauty stuff and she's making a lot of money now. But I guess like two years ago she was working sort of fried food and stuff like that. But she's come out online and said that her man sort of needs to be a CEO and he can't work a nine to five. And it's like a lot of people are, I guess, sort of up in arms about it because I guess she's like sending for a lot of people. And I know that in America, a bit of a culture of looking down on nine to five, not so much here, but over there. What do you guys think about that? That is some nonsense, man. And obviously, people say the same thing here, bro. But obviously, it's just, it's just the agenda is not as pushed um, in comparison to America, right? But the fact of the matter is, cool, you can be an entrepreneur, you can own your own business, but there are people that are working the nine to five that are earning more peas than people who, who own their own business. And that's facts. No one should be, be looking down on anything. Even if you're a cleaner at your workplace or you're a security guard, I think you should still say hi to everyone in it. Treat people with respect no matter what their job is, yeah? However, what B. Simone said, like, isn't that bad because you're actually allowed to have your own type. There's so many of us that will say, oh, I want a black queen, yeah? I think the way she phrased it, could come across offensive like nine to five is worse, yeah? She's literally said, when I'm up at 3 a.m., I want a guy that's up at 3 a.m. with me doing what he fits my lifestyle. So I think everyone just jumps on the, oh, she's cussing all the nine to fivers, yeah? But you don't have to be that sensitive. Like, what she's saying, the crux of it is not that bad. I disagree with what you're saying. Uh, I think, yeah, she's getting mad backlashes because of the way she actually said it. Like, she actually disregarded the nine to five thing. So. Obviously, like Ish said, you're allowed to have your preference. The way she said it, she was like, she made the nine to five thing sound like you're not doing your thing. Do you get, man? I think fair enough. Both of the jobs don't really marry each other well, right? Someone that does, um, is all, like, as an entrepreneur and someone that's doing like a nine to five job, as in, I just saying, the timings kind of they don't coexist. The way she kind of came across is like, oh, you nine to fivers aren't really getting it. You ain't really making this money and you're just basically broke. I need it. That's why that, when he went to go and say, oh, you need a CEO. That is nonsense. Who does she think she is, man? Honestly, she needs to just chill out. I sit really in the middle with this, and I was actually discussing this with Danielle before we came on. Um, I think the reason why I sort of have an issue with what she said, not just how she said it, like Moffe said, but what she said is because she made, she, she's an influencer, and she made, like, what, a million recently? Prior to that, she was working a nine-to-five herself. And so for me, it's like, you understand the grind of building a business on the side while you maintain a nine to five. And that's what me and my wife are doing right now is that we're both entrepreneurs, but we both have a nine to five. The goal is 
to essentially at some point not have to work a nine to five. But we know that a nine to five is vital and it's important for us to be able to even build because how are we going to pay for things? How are we going to pay for rent and all that? And like one of you said earlier, you are entitled to have a type. But the thing is, when you know what the struggle is, like she does, when you've worked that nine to five, when you know what it takes to have to build and have a day job before you can own your own business. You just sort of start a conversation like that, disregarding people who have that and say that it might not match your lifestyle. The reason why I think that that's a dangerous thing to say is because the person she may actually get married to may be someone who has a nine to five, but he may be a business owner as well. I think her comments have been taken slightly out of context, but more because of her tonality, because there's, there's not enough humility in what she said, as opposed to what she's saying. I think that if she said that a bit nicer in the sense that she said, look like, a nine to five is not something that is bad. I've been there. I've done it. But now I'm on the flip side where I'm a business owner and I'm an entrepreneur full time. So therefore, with the sort of lifestyle I want to live, I want to be able to tell my husband or whoever I'm living with that let's pack up our bags and go somewhere. If you have a nine to five, you can't really just pick up your bags and decide that you're going to fly anywhere at any time. You've got to request time off. Whereas if you're an entrepreneur, you dictate your time. So I think really and truly, my, my, my question of it is that I would have liked to have seen a bit more humility from someone who's actually done the nine to five grand. Do you know what? When I heard it, I was like, this is fine. Look, it's the way she said it, I'm telling you. If she started off saying, I would prefer a guy who is an entrepreneur because da, 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 da. Nope, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It's because she said, I don't want someone from a nine to five mm. and was like, literally like looking at you like I'm at the dull. So it was like everyone was just triggered. But I think when she now gave her reasons that actually it's because when she wakes up at 3 a.m., she wants both of you to be on the grind. I think the thing is when you're on a nine to five, you're, you're not flexible. Mm. You don't have flexibility like that. She just wants flexibility. And all her reasons that she gave after shows that actually she just wants flexibility. That's why she said, yeah, I don't mind someone who's a CEO. Why? Because a CEO can determine whether they're going in the office one day or whether they're going to work from home in the night one day. This is what I'm trying to do. I hear what you're saying in terms of the reason she gave. But what I'm saying is that there are CEOs who clock in and clock out. Like the, the, the guys who are in charge of, say, Monzo, for example, there was a time where they, they had to be clocking in and clocking out. I'm running a, a startup right now with one of my boys. We're CEO and COO, but we're not in a position where, like, we can just be doing whatever we want because we're growing the business. I was going to say, like, um, you know when I first saw the video, like, I mean, I didn't really feel it, but I sort of understood that, like, everyone can have their, like, own preference and stuff. And like, I wasn't really too judgy of her. But when I saw the outrage, it kind of made me think a little bit. I'm definitely wary of people that sort of make it through the door and forget where they came from. Like, I've, I've never respected that energy. And it's like, even man them in this group, it's like, if we rewind it back six, seven years ago, Man, them weren't really in the best positions, you know what I'm saying? But when you forward it, it's like, but we can never forget where we came from. Like, we still have, like, good energy to people from our areas who are in a worse position, worse position to us. So I don't really like that in a person. And I would say, especially a lot of, like, American girls, not to even be rude, but they want the end product, in it. You want the CEO, but you want the successful CEO. So it's like, you might as well just come out and say that you want the bread, do you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like it will be more respectable. There's a lot of CEOs right now, it's COVID. You ain't making no money. Your company's dissolved, you know what I'm saying? But she ain't going to be with them, is she? Her statements, yeah, they, she was definitely looking down on 9 to 5. That's why there was a bit of outrage. If she wasn't looking down and said she preferred an entrepreneur because of the reason she gave, I wouldn't even judge her that much. But that's my take, personally. Oh, Reece, off the back of your point, yeah, the other day, as you said, they want the end product. They're not ready to go through the trenches with man. They're not ready to go through the head loss. They're not ready to go through the depression, ups and downs. Are these girls prepared to put things on the line to make them sacrifice because they're not ready to go Nando's and, and not go Hackerson to, to build the business? Are you actually prepared for that, fam? 
for me, yeah, I think like you can't you can't despise humble beginnings. Do you get what I'm trying to say to you? And I feel like I think it's very cheek of her to talk as if you know she's been doing this thing for years on end. Like you literally blew the other day. Relax. Do you get what I'm saying? There was a time when you were struggling and you were suffering. I understand that you that you have your preference, but I think that she needed to be way more sensitive in terms of how she was explaining why she wanted a, a CEO. Do you get what I mean? Kind of like her, as as Danielle said. But but for me personally, I feel like I feel like when you're working, that even teaches you how to become a CEO. What do I mean by that? When you're working, you you learn about structure. Do you get what I mean? And I think it's even good to know how to work in a team. It's even good to even know how to work under instruction. Do you get what I mean? So that you can be your own boss. That that's how I personally see it. And plus, some people that are doing a nine to five are chopping. Some people are chopping making money that money that we're making from the nine to five can be used to even flood our businesses and also i'd say this as well people's lives can change overnight never despise never look down there was a time where we didn't know who michael dapper was there was a time he come in he, he dropped that banter tune and what blue life changed mm. storms he was doing shut up in a park life changed now he's diversifying into other things this is what i'm trying to say like i think it's it's easy to talk but literally you, sh- you can look down at someone and think rah like what they're doing is dead all of a sudden next thing you know they're on your tv screens everywhere then what what would the dynamics have been if it was a male that said it if a guy said it yeah i guarantee you it would have been calm if me will come out and said Yo, like, I need a boss. Like, nah, 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 nah. Everyone would have just said calm. The reason why this is triggering you, because it's sad to say, but guys feel demasculated when women are earning more than them, yeah? So this be Simone girl, yeah? She's earning more than bare man. And she talks super duper ratchet. Mm. So this girl that this talks loose, she's ratchet. Like, she's earning way more than man them and kind of talking down. So people feel like, She's kicking them in the teeth. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And then girls on top of it, obviously, you're going to get the girls that hate on her, that think that, rah, like, she acts so, like, wild and reckless and all that stuff. I'm, I act like this. She's got way more money and she's kind of rubbing it in my face, yeah? So mm. I feel like it's a good point Chairman's raised there because I feel like if you get any rapper that said, look, I don't want my girl to work nine to five, like, she needs to come on the road with me and none of that nine to five stuff. I want a boss, like, if she's got her own hair business or her own nail business or she sells something, then people would have just said nothing. Rappers say stuff like this in their music all the time and we nod our heads to it. It's because of, one, she's a female, to her character. But if a guy said it in that same way and he was breaded, if little baby said it, no one would say anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. even the options. They're cussing nine to five, all bounced our head to it, party to that all summer. They're cussing nine to five in that song. But ish, yeah, like, I don't really feel the same because I feel like cool if someone like Meek or Baby said it they're established people so you can get it like they grinded for a certain period of time and they're very successful so they can say that but if me now I just get on next week and I demand a CEO girl I think I'm pushing it personally that doesn't matter when you get on it does, it does matter when you get on why because... does it matter she's on so so you're basically saying yeah, that the longer you're on the more you can look down on people that's what you're no, basically saying it's not about no I don't agree with looking down on people in general but I'm trying to say to you it makes more sense why Meek Mill oh, or Baby would want a, a CEO girl as opposed to why Reese would want a CEO girl if I get on next week and the day perception is everything in it how it's perceived is a big deal so I'm trying to say if you elevated above the mandem next week which you easily could and then start shitting on how we're living that makes you a that makes you kind of a funny person to me personally that's how that's how I feel oh Reese, if I did it a year later or two years later I'm still a funny person I'm still forgetting where I came from 
So it doesn't no. matter if I did it the week or I did it in two years. I, it's still funny behaviour. Not me, but I understand when people say, oh, who does she think she is? She was just doing this last week. It doesn't matter. If she was doing it two years ago, she shouldn't still shit on people. I agree with Ish, you know, because you know what? I've, as you man have been speaking, I've been thinking about it and I've, like, I've come to the conclusion that, yeah, like, I reckon if a guy did say that, the backlash wouldn't be the same, innit? If he said it in the manner she said it in, then I might look at man like he's kind of stupid because obviously, like, if man's talking on um, a particular, like, type of work and he doesn't know enough about it and he's disregarding it, like, what are you talking about, bro? Just, you don't need to say anything. Yeah, yeah, you man, I agree with you, man. If it came from a guy, I don't think it would be as prominent. I don't think people would be as triggered as Ish was saying, because she's a girl and because she's getting this money, she's, like, attacking a lot of people. But there's nothing wrong with what she said, and then she said what she said. Everyone's had to their own types. I'm sure you all have your own types. If a man says, oh, I want to stay at home wife that's going to cook, clean, and, you know, do all the indoor stuff, a lot of people say that, and you're happy with that. So why can't she say, I want a certain man? But once you made a good point there, yeah, because if a girl tweeted right now, yeah, saying, I don't know why everyone grinds so hard, like, I want to be a stay-at-home mum, she will get slaughtered. Like, oh, you want to be a... Have you got no ambition? What, you want to be a stay-at-home mum? And then she'll respond, no, but my mum did that, and my nan did that, and they're happy, and they live, oh, you got no ambition. But then there's clearly a market of bare men that want stay-at-home women, so they have to be somewhere. So I'm sure that there's so many girls that want to stay at home that are even scared to say it yeah, because they're going to get backlash. So I think that's a good point. I was doing research for one of the recent issues that I wrote, and I was looking into the Prime Minister of New Zealand, who happens to be um, a woman. And the interesting thing about it is that she got pregnant while she was Prime Minister. Her husband, essentially, he basically took like, more paternity leave than she did. The reason why I sort of brought that up is because when, when looking at the dynamics of you know, what men want and what women want. He's a successful guy. Like, he has a mad business. In fact, he earns more than what she earns as prime minister. But because of their positions and because of the lifestyles that they live, like, she couldn't really afford to take too much time off um, for maternity leave because she's running a country. And not many men and not many husband, husbands would understand that. That can sort of be related to this sort of thing in the sense that, like, she probably has an, a vision or an idea of what she's going to do or who she's going to be in the future. And a certain type of guy that she wants to be with suits that preference. And I think that it's important to note that because men are not often criticised or put down for the type of woman they want. And I'm talking from body to appearance to finances to, to um, where, they, where the women are in society themselves. But on the reverse end, when women sort of, you know, are more vocal and honest about the type of guys that they want and whatnot, I find that, like, they get a bit more backlash than, than guys in general. Like, men don't want to admit it a lot of the times, but it hurts their ego when a woman says things like that because naturally we're the breadwinners, naturally we're the ones who lead the home, naturally we're the ones that are in charge. So when women say things like that, it puts off a lot of men who see themselves as the leader of the home and they're like, who does she think she is? Like, does she want to be the leader now because she's got bread? I do agree with, like, Josh in terms of that, like, women are sort of shamed for having, like, clear preferences, innit? Like, I definitely do agree with that because it's true. And I guess it stems from, like, being the breadwinners. But I definitely feel as though you could communicate your preference without sort of putting down a large group of people. So it's like, if I want a CEO girl, I can just, like, say those reasons without giving energy to nine-to-five girls. I feel like her giving energy to nine to five girls is what caused, uh, sorry, nine to five guys is what sort of caused the outrage in it, but that's my opinion. A girl will make that statement, yeah. A female will make that statement and that's it. 
a guy will make a statement, yeah, like, okay, I want my woman to do this and that. And if she's not doing this and that, he will put the steps in place to guide her to do this and that. Do you understand? And that's the difference. And I think that's why if a male says it, a lot of people are not triggered versus a female saying it and why people are so triggered. Well, that's it. Now, we want to hear, like, obviously a bit about, like, your sort of marriage journey, innit? So, like, how you guys met. Obviously, we're going to, like, sort of get into, like, the dynamics of marriage and that, but we want to hear about your story a little bit. Um, so, I'll just give you, like, the quick summary of how we met. So, Danielle went to University of Manchester, and I was at Surrey Uni, and she was on Big Clash, um, which you guys probably um, know of already. And, essentially, I saw her on Big Clash, fine-looking specimen, so man hit her, man hit her up in the DMs. Um, and they just, was just like, yeah, no waste, no time wasting. Yeah. Up in the DMs and was like, yeah, just like the way she looked. And um, she was into music at the time. I was into music. So, yeah, we got it cracking from there. And then sort of fast forward, um, 2018, we got engaged. Um, we'd, we'd been in a long distance relationship between 2015, 2018. 2018, we got engaged. Then last year, September, we got married. And we've been married now a few days ago for nine months. Yeah, man, that's 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 pretty much the the journey, well, the summarized version of it. Yeah. How's married life treating you guys, man? It's good, you know. Yeah. It's actually really good. Like, I think, uh, you know, what a lot of people they they always ask us this as if like we're meant to say that it's really hard and it's just like it's like the worst mistake <laughs> ever. And it's like no, it's actually really good. So yeah, we can't complain. Like, yeah, um, yeah. I think most of it because we're just friends. It's been great. Really enjoyed it. And it's funny because um, if you ask the guys I grew up with. I was probably not the first that anyone expected to get married um, this young. So it's, it's, it's funny that it was me. But yeah, like she said, just to echo in that, um, being friends has really helped this whole marriage journey. I think we, we were friends for six months before we started dating. Um, and that time of friendship was, um, was vital, very um, instrumental in us, you know, carrying on that friendship into marriage. I've got a question for both of you guys, right? You two are both Christian, yeah? How did it work in in the early stages? Did you guys, were you caught in, hit up in the DMs, go dating, when doing things the quote-unquote Christian way, right? There's certain things you have to do to obviously show your, your worthiness. Was that a challenge for you guys? But firstly, I think intention was just key from the get-go. So I've grown up in a Christian home as well as she. So I think when we met, I had it at the back of my mind that, you know, I'd want to be with someone who held my values from a faith perspective, but really I didn't sort of like have a structure of how it would go in the beginning. So after we spoke on Twitter, we met up like a month later. And the funniest thing was when we actually met up, the first time we met, we went to um, a club that evening together, um, run by some guys in Manchester called Ersty, which you man might have heard about. It was just funny because we, we didn't, you know, think anything of it at the time, like we were still friends. Then by the time we got, you know, to the whole dating, um, stage of it because it was long distance I guess it was just really a case where we sort of speak about God but then at the same time we're just using the opportunity to learn about each other and and, and I think that from there when I started to learn more about her Christian background and she learned more about mine I think from there like the the way the dynamics of the relationship started to change as time went on was just organic so we wouldn't necessarily have to call each other to be like oh let's pray together or let's do this but those things will just naturally happen just because we were quite similar and obviously we don't do everything the same so even with the fact that we're both christians we still had differing views on how things went but i guess 
it's just really about adaptability and trying to understand where the other person that you're, you know, that you're with um, is coming from. Um, and I think that's really what it has been from then till now. It's like my life's journey with Danielle is to learn about her as much as possible and to try and understand how she sees things essentially. And I, I assume that's the same vice versa as well. I have a question as well. Um, typically, especially like in the world and stuff, people always tend to think that Christians are boring. You know, I talk to them all the time. Like they think that we're boring or they don't even necessarily understand exactly how we do this dating thing. So even from a practical perspective, guys, what does it look like? Obviously, like going from day into core into being married, what does that look like practically? How, how do you guys enjoy each other? How do you actually build that intimacy? I think it goes back down to friendship. Like, honestly, like we have banter. We're still normal people. Like, do you know what I mean? It's the, I think the whole idea of Christianity is just the fact that we see life differently. We now believe that we're saved. So, um, you know, we no longer have to live the way that we were living before. Like, it's a sense of freedom. So the way that we relate with each other is the same as how you would relate with any girl. It's just we're not trying to, like, you know, yeah. lust over each other. We looking at, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not that kind of party. It's friendship. And obviously there's boundaries in place. Like, we actually have to put boundaries in place because we're still human. But obviously we want to make sure that we don't do certain things before marriage and stuff. So we kind of spoke about it and communicated and we just worked on it. Like, it's not mm, easy. Nah, it's not easy. I mean? commun- like, it's like, <laughs> not you, easy. you flop one day and you're like, okay, cool. Like, we, need yeah. to, we need to put some things back into place. We 100. need to take it back a, back a bit. But I think it's because we communicate and we're honest about it. I think that's why, mm. that's how it works. Daniel, I've got a question for you, to be honest. I saw a meme on Twitter this week, yeah, and it was like, um, I think it was like SpongeBob and Patrick, and they're drooling, yeah? They're drooling over something, and the caption said that Christian girls, when they see a drug dealer, and, yeah, there's a whole notion that, like, Christian girls love a bad boy because they, they live their life on such a straight arrow that they like someone that's a bit different or a bit risky for them yeah so you personally yeah are these things that come in your head like i've grown up in a certain type of environment that's like let's say quote unquote the proper way of doing things so did chairman have some qualities in him that also it was a bit edgy that made you more attracted to him or is that not something that matters to you that's a good question you know do you know what i'll be honest i think it's like your state of mentality so when i was younger i would like a nice guy but i would want a little bit of like mm-hmm, it's just you know i want a little bit of sauce yeah but not too much not too much that it's like it's scary do you know what i mean so a drug dealer i, I can't lie i'll probably be a bit scared but in the sense of like i think <laughs> i think with him it was more like He's from a good home, yeah, cool. But he's also, like, from South London. And for me, I grew up in Milton Keynes. I'm not from London, okay? So everywhere in London, to me, was a bit mad. So the fact that, you know, he had a bit of that, I was like, okay, cool. But I don't know. I think it's your state of mentality. I think really and truly, it's not really about Christian girls. I think it's just girls that just just like that. But they just happen to be Christian. Do, like, Christian boys not have game? Because that's what everyone says on social media. Do you, do you know they what? Definitely like, do. Genuinely, like when you're on Twitter and like, Christian girls complain that like the guys ain't got game and that, or even like they go for guys who are guess not within that space, isn't it? I think you've asked a very real question, um, right there, bro. And let me be real. I was having this discussion with Toss, and we've had like numerous discussions on this. But I don't think that Christian girls necessarily want like bad boys, but I think they want guys that have personality outside of their faith. The proportion of guys that I know 
are way too much more spiritual than guys who, you know, can balance it out where, you know, they can have drip, they can have swag, but, you know, they're still Bible-believing guys. Like, the proportion is too mad. Like, I'll use Toss for an example. Like, as far as I've known Toss, Toss has always been about looking drippy. But then when I look at you guys, it makes sense because you might know all about drip as well. But then, but that's not all you're about. Like, you're book smart, but then, you know, you guys know where you're going in life. But there's not that many Christian guys I know who, they've got that source, they've got that drip, but then they've got, you know, and some of them might hear this and, and, yeah, and crucify me for it. But, but I'm just being real. I'm just saying what I see. I'm not, you know, trying to go off what other people are saying is out there. What I see is that the reason why girls tend to go for these other guys is, is not necessarily because, you know, they're not believers themselves. They are, but I guess they want someone who they can look at and it's like, yo, he dresses nice. He doesn't just have like conversations about the Bible. I can have a conversation with him like about sex, about money, about like, you know, building an empire together. If you guys can point to five or 10 guys who are believers, strong believers that, you know, have drip, have source, can speak Bible, but then they also like, you know, do things outside of that. I'll be impressed. That's a crazy stat, man. I'm not even gonna lie. Josh, you see that period before you were about to propose, yeah? Like, what was your, like, your state of mind? Like, what were you thinking? Like, let's say, for example, like, 48 hours before you you're going to propose and then the day you were going to propose. So that period between um, that, um, those days. And I was going to ask for Danielle, when you proposed, how did you feel? And, like, what was the, like, experience like for you? Bro, I'm not going to lie. 48 hours before proposing, like, man's heart was racing, fam. Like, I'll be real with you. Like, my heart was just racing. I was like, yo, I can't you know, flop this thing. Like, I was just basically going over what I was going to say and, like, just working out logistics. So I'll give you sort of, like, a bit of the backstory of why I was in that frame of mind. So I proposed to her at the Shard, and obviously I was I was working with one of my boys who happened to be a restaurant manager at Rocker in Mayfair, but he previously worked at the Shard. So we were trying to work out logistics of how we were going to sneak in the camera guy about her noticing and all that. So that was basically what I was thinking about two days before. I wasn't thinking about anything else. I was just sort of thinking about that. But then after proposing to her there, what had happened was when you're getting with a girl, yeah, like be sure to check how she wants to be proposed to you. Because from time, she'd already been saying to me, like, she wants to be proposed to in a nice place, but then she wants all her family and friends to come out after she's proposed. And I was obviously thinking like, how the hell how the hell is man gonna pull that sort of thing off like that's it was just so it's just such a wild way of being proposed um i guess so what i then did was i had to basically call our friends who were like our closest friends and get them at a different restaurant by the time we went there they were just all there waiting for us to surprise her two days prior i was working with the guy who was supposed to be my best man and the girl that was supposed to be her chief bridesmaid and we're just sorting out logistics on how things were gonna work and then it's funny because on the day of the proposal, we were actually at my boy's wedding. And one of my mentors, he was at the wedding as well. And he basically came up to me yeah. and he'd never met Danielle before. And obviously, like, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, good to see you, Josh. Like, when are you going to get married to her? And obviously, she's already, like, been feeling like this guy's taking too long to propose. So when he said that, that just triggered her slightly. And obviously, I was looking at him like shouldn't have said that because I'm obviously proposing that later that evening no do you know what like for me I was obviously excited I had an inkling really um, yeah because my mom my mom just oh yeah me. your mom just flopped just it for us still she kept yeah asking me like what are you wearing to your friend's wedding I was thinking why do you care that what I'm wearing to my friend's wedding yeah. she just kept asking like let me see let me see I was like oh, okay today's the date that means that date is the date 
so no but it was good because we always knew that it was something we wanted to do communicated it wasn't like a shock like eh, you want to marry now it's not it's not that time when i was at university i wasn't thinking i let this go let me marry a man that wasn't going through my head you see what i'm coming from <laughs> so what took you lot to that point and before you answer that yeah i'm going to add another thing I find that a lot of young couples, Christian couples, get married early. This be real, isn't it? So they're having sex and that without having any issues from the past and what's happening in the church. What's your opinions on that as well? Do you think that's the like the process of people getting married? Would you say that had a push in your marriage or that's not something you're focused on? If I'm honest, when I first went off to uni, I did not have it at the back of my mind that A, I was going to meet my wife. B, I was going to even be thinking of proposing, you know, before I had graduated. Like, that wasn't, on my mind at all like I just wanted to go uni just similar to you guys that went uni you just go there to get your degree and have a good time really I think things just changed for me when uni wasn't going great for me whilst I was at um, my first uni so I started off at Surrey uni things weren't going really well and it was in and around that time that like I came across Danielle and when we met I weren't really thinking about getting married I never pursued a relationship to begin with and that was key for me because previously I'd had like a a weird sort of relationship with someone prior. So I wasn't trying to rush into anything to moving forward. So it was never at the back of my mind to pursue marriage. But I think the way things work, and this is where like, you know, the whole spiritual aspect of things come in is that I would say that I'm quite spiritually sensitive to a degree, to a large extent, actually. As a result of being that way, it meant that physically, even though I was not thinking about marriage, spiritually, I was be- I was beginning to pick up the I have met my wife kind of thing. And and as a result of that, it just put me in a position where I had to start praying about it because I felt so strongly that this might be my wife. And for me, it's like choosing a life partner is a once in a lifetime thing. The aim is to get it right first time. Discussion is key. I felt at some point, it was like August 2015, I felt at some point that, okay, I'm 100% certain this is my wife. But just because I'm certain doesn't mean that she's certain. And that's why I think communication is vital. So I communicate to her. I was like, I believe that like we're supposed to, you know, be married. And I know it's a bit of a mad thing for a guy to say to him, but I was like, yeah, I feel like we're supposed to be married. Um, that's a mazine. I know it's a mazzaline, isn't it? But yeah, I was just like, you know what? The worst she can say is she don't believe or no. And I was like, yeah, I feel like we're supposed to be married. And she felt the same way. And I guess that was how we sort of just came to 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 this point. I know that with guys guys tend to struggle more, at least in, in my opinion, guys struggle more with like sexual desires to a degree. I, I wasn't rushing into marriage because I wanted to have sex. It was more of a thing where I just knew it was time for me to get married. And like, that was a byproduct of getting married. So it was all blessed for me, really. So Josh, I don't think you really answered my question. Did it push you towards your decision? You said you wasn't thinking about it, but in the back of your head, was it there? Like, does it speed it up? Because I don't want to commit this sin in the eyes of the Lord. I don't think it pushed me to that decision. But I will say that to a degree, sex did play a part. See, this is more towards Daniel, isn't it? Yeah? Because more women are pushing for the marriage and less men are sort of pushing to get married. So why is it you feel that women are pushing to get married maybe like before a certain age? And did you sort of give him like a deadline before? (laughs) Who says it's too young? What's the age? You know what I mean? Because the age is subjective depending on who it is. Like Mm. it depends on whether you think you're ready, whether you think that, you know what, like I want to build with her or I want to have everything built and then she comes along. So I think the age thing is is different. And I think the reason why Christian people get married younger than other people is because, yeah, I do think it's because, one, they don't want to fornicate, and two, they're thinking, if I know that I'm meant to be married to this person, then why why are we playing around? Like, let's start Mm -hmm. building, like, 
you know what I mean? Two are better than one. Your capital and my capital on top is better than your capital on your own. I want to know if he had a deadline, as in like, if he didn't propose by a certain time, is it long for him? There wasn't a deadline, but the time was ticking oh, and I made okay. it known. Okay. 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 But okay. I think it's because it's like, we've been together for times. So I was like, yo, like, where the ring though? Like, where, where's that happening? <laughs> Obviously, marriage is a lifetime commitment, right? And what I found is divorce rates amongst young couples are higher, right? So let's say, cool, one of you two does the mazzolini, yeah? Then what? Um, well, it's a commitment, so I have to stay, don't I? I rate that. If it's abuse and, like, violence, then no. But if it's, what, cheating, you mm. have to... Like, this is a commitment. Like, it's not, not, wow. it's not a joke. Do you know what? what I mean? And also, know who you're married to. So, obviously, you're married now. You're going to try and, like, have a break and no kid, like, for the world and for yourself beforehand. I think for me, and, and I'm glad she's on the same page, for me, my, my compromise was if I'm getting married in my early to mid-20s, then I need to actually have time to know my, my wife as a woman. I don't really want to be knowing her as my wife and mother at the same time. Mm. The reality is, why, why bring a kid into the world knowing that your, your mind isn't going to be there to look after them? You want to just sort of be out of the house, out and about with your spouse kind of thing. And so we basically decided that for the first few years in marriage, like no one should even come chat to us about kid because we're not popping out no youths anytime soon. So when you guys were like first started talking and you was going out with each other for a while, you're thinking about getting more serious, yeah? At what point did you feel comfortable to like share what each other earns with each other? Do you know what? I think because we, we met each other in uni. So mm, yeah. because we were young. We didn't have the jobs so that we have now. Like, yeah. We were always talking about finance. Like, oh yeah, have student finance job today. Okay, cool. You spend that. Like, so we kind of already had that like opportunity to talk about money. For me, I was very big on, on savings and like just financial transparency. My dad's always said to me, like never like reveal too much about yourself too early on. So in the beginning stages, like I didn't really talk too, too much or too tough about money. I didn't really ask too many questions about it. At some point, gradually, we, we got to that place where it was like, yo, this is how I view money. This is sort of the level of transparency that I like to have financially. And it just it sort of worked out that she was the same as well. Would you have a joint account together or do you have separate accounts? Do you know what? Initially, I was like, oh, yeah, let's do joint accounts. Chill. Nah. There's no time for joint accounts. But us, it's like, we communicate. We know what each other earns. We know who's paying for what. We've already decided. Like, mm. you're, you're covering that. I'm covering this. Mm. Mandem. Are you man trying to have a joint account though? It's a mint, bro. Do you know what it is though? Yeah, like some some things you may have to buy together. Like let's say like you need some like garden work done. Is one person supposed to pay for that or is it supposed to be a joint accounting? You know what I'm saying? I think you should have your separate accounts and then have a joint account and every every month or every soften you're you're putting a sum of money into that joint account for spending. To all the like young brothers that you know can't leave the game, Josh and Danielle, to all the girls that can't find the one. What advice do you have? Be real with yourself. At the end of the day, like, no one's going to do things for you. And, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you have to do things in your own time. Like, don't feel pressured to do things because it seems like the norm to do. Don't focus on what other people are doing. You guys have heard it before. Stay in your lane. Yeah, my advice to the girls who, you know, are waiting, don't worry, your husband is coming. You make sure you're doing what you can do. That's advice. You make sure that, you know, when yeah. he's when he comes, you're ready for yourself as That's well. That's right, so 100. Do what That's... you need to do to make sure the best yeah. for you. Not for him, but yeah. for yourself yeah. as well.
So he basically, yeah, yesterday I was talking to one of my friends, innit? And then, like, they were saying how, like, their little brother, yeah, like, he, all he does is play games and eat snacks, innit? That's it. And literally, he's just on a headset all day. And I was saying now, like, a lot of people, like, my younger family members, yeah, that's all they do. And when you ask them, what do you want to do when you're older? They just say, oh, be a YouTuber. And obviously, they see that these YouTubers are making a lot of money, but they're not deep in that. It's not easy. Everyone wants to do that. It's kind of the same levels as being a footballer now. Like, that whole generation wants to be a YouTuber. And I think our generation have it deep that when we have kids, they're going to grow up in this YouTube era, gaming era. These kids, they don't even play football anymore. They don't even ride bikes and play out. They literally are on their consoles, yeah? So I just wanted to ask everyone, like, when you, you got kids or whatever, like, how do you think you would tackle, like, not stopping their fun and not crushing their dreams and trying to mix our era with their era? You know what, if I would basically just reinforce narr- the narrative of passion, right? So, for example, if my kid had, had a genuine passion for gaming and wanted to actually carve out a career for that, I, I would just foster that and just nurture it. However, I would also say, listen, you can have that and, I, and I'll, you know, I'll facilitate your passion of gaming and, and I'll try and push you to make something out of it. But don't forget about the bread and butter and knowledge and just reinforce the rhetoric that knowledge is power. Once you have that, no one can take that away from you. Do you know what I'm saying? So have your gaming thing as a plan A, but then have your knowledge, your degree, your qualifications or whatnot to, to fall back on. Do you know what I mean? But you see, if your youth is stuck on games, though, you might become hella stiff, though, man. You don't want your, your kids to not have social skills. And I think when we grew up, yeah, obviously we were playing outside, we ride bikes, um, we play football. So, like, yeah, man, you look at the nature of, like, some of our friendships. It's because we were outside and, you know, enjoying our childhood. I wouldn't want my child to just be, like, stuck on games, innit? We didn't really have smartphones back then. Like, there wasn't much for us to do. So all we had, all we had was each other to play outside. Like, let's say, for example, in... Yeah, free time and the time they're not learning or they're not at school. You're just going to let your youth just on the console all the time, bro? No, obviously not. But you allocate some time for, for him to do that. I think if he's showing the capacity that he's good, yeah? So if I come to him, I'm like, yo, what's your rank or what's your position in the, you know, the UK or the world? Mm. And he doesn't have one, then I'm, I'm not a lie. Like, I'm, I'm not taking that guy serious. So <laughs> Man said, what's your rank? I, I think that, you know, like when we're young, yeah, that's when we can absorb the most, you get what I mean? So I feel like it's good that when we're young, to get us doing a lot of things. So get us doing, trying to learn languages, get us trying to do the sports and etc. Then as we get older, that's when I think we start looking into specialization. So if you want to be doing your games, you can do that. But then you've got to be studying as well. You've got to be doing your sports as well. Then if we assess that raw, you're actually amazing at this acting YouTube thing. You're actually amazing at the gaming thing and etc. Then we can kind of diversify and see what we're going to do in regards to careers. That, that's my take. Yeah, I'm exactly the same with Chester. The times are changing. And so obviously, yes, YouTube and all of that stuff is like now the in thing and people can really make money on this thing. But I think as parents, like we're going to need to, yeah, cool, you can have a YouTube time. But really and truly, whatever they have access to is what is going to determine what they're going to enjoy and what they're going to know about. And so if we're just always at home, of course, they're going to be looking to the internet and computers to have fun but if you're getting them to actually do sports and getting them to do drama if they like drama or like noticing their gifts and getting them using it in other ways and shape and form it'll be beneficial for them other than just gaming and youtube obviously this is just my character in it yeah i basically grew up having to go everywhere with my older brother my brother was like when i was year seven he was like in year 11 or whatnot yeah so that's that's our age difference so when i was in primary school because it was just me and him i had to go 
everything. He didn't even want to take me with him half the time. I was rolling with people like what five years older than me consistently from a young age. Yeah. So I developed street smarts and how to navigate, how to talk to people, confidence, everything from young. And I feel like in this generation, they're not doing that. Like if you got an older brother and stuff, yeah, you're not really learning much from him because a lot of the time you're just on your console. You're not picking up gems and all that, that kind of thing. And even if you don't have an older brother or someone to guide you, yeah, you're not going out there trying things with your friends, doing silly things like learning from your mistakes. It's literally headset and games. And I feel that was a core part of most of our childhood, just being out there doing silly things, getting caught doing things, learning, oh, crap, I shouldn't do that again. You know what I'm saying? So I'm worried for the communication skills of the next generation because a lot of them, they literally only talk on their headset. That's it. You know what, yeah, well, times have changed, you know. Like, our generation was like the first generation to use like MSN and the rise of social media. So people before that would be saying, oh, these kids don't go out no more. Boys and girls don't know how to talk to girls no more because they can just chat them up online. The fact of the matter is, yeah, when we were growing up, yeah, the internet wasn't what it was. Do, what do we expect in it? We, we want technology to improve and we love it and we invest in it. But when it happens, we're saying, oh, okay, it's ruining our kids. And that. You have to pick one, innit? For example, when us man go play basketball now in the weekends, there's no kids in the park, bro. It doesn't make sense. I'm trying to say to you, 125 year olds playing basketball when there should be really 15 year olds kicking ball in the cages. But it's not like that. But in our day, it was like that. Us as generation um, Y, millennials, you know, were the last um, generation to sort of experience a time where there wasn't much social media or rather that where there was no social media and, you know, no internet were born into that. So we sort of had the best of going out to play and developing certain social skills and then like you know the whole snapchat insta and whatnot rose if you sort of look at it from that perspective i heard the previous generation say things like oh when i was your age this and this and this is what we did like you lost a spoil now and whatnot and the reality of the situation is now us as generation y are looking at generation z so like the lots born 1998 or 1999 afterwards we're looking at them like all you lots do is play games and whatnot but the reality is that each generation has things that are peculiar and specific to them. Touching on what Alex said, I think it was Alex who said about passion. I think that I'm I'm the sort of person where my mum and my dad, but my mum specifically really encouraged me to um, chase my passion. So from five, I've been playing piano. And so when my, my parents realized that gift, they sort of created an environment for me where learning or playing music didn't become a chore or it didn't become a thing that I was complaining about. I enjoyed it. But then there was also that balance of, you know, having downtime and playing games. There there was just that structure in place. There's really nothing wrong in aspiring to be a YouTuber or a professional gamer. I know a kid who's seven or eight years old, I think he won like $3 million or something from a gaming competition and he's used that to change his mum's life. For him to be a professional gamer at seven means that, that he would have started that from say four, five years old because he would have had mm. to have developed. And, and I think that it really just boils down to, to, to the culture of the family or the people. And it also boils down to what you see for your kid. Now more than ever, like parenting is proper, like important in terms of these children because don't get me wrong in it, there's nothing wrong with the social media generation and the gaming generation, but we have to control it. Um, and it's like, when I think about myself, I'm sort of different in it because I'm from a large family. Like, as you can see, I've got two cousins who are my same age. Like, so I'm always around people. There was always an outlet to play, but it's like my dad, like when I used to live with him, like he would only let me watch TV on Friday fam. So it's like, there's all this like, <laughs> um, social media and that or games and that but it's like I was only allowed one hour on the console I was only watching TV on Friday and I was reading books from five to when I sleep parents gotta do like a better job how do you tell someone mashing three M's 
to go and read books. Like, you don't. You can't tell me to read books. I'm asking for How do you find that balance? As a musician, if like if I start making racks at like age ten, and my mum's trying to chat in my ear about go and read your book, I'll be like, that's chatty patty right there. Like that's that's Bruce. nonsense. Like that don't make sense to me. You know. But the thing about it is that like again, it's it's really about the type of parent you are. And it's understanding your child. So I'm not saying that they'd have to be in full-time education. I've got a boy who's a baller. He's a professional baller. But he's been a baller since he was like seven, eight years old. So school has always been difficult for, for him, him because because he's always had to pursue football as his main thing. So it's about understanding your kid. And I think that it doesn't matter how much money you make. If you've instilled um, certain principles in your child and you've raised them in the right way, there are some young people that I know who are making good bread no, but they're balancing, they're balancing education because their parents have that influence. And because, and also as well, it's because their parents are well-educated as well. So they understand the yeah. value of it. So that plays a part. So on that, yeah, as well, yeah, you said, um, like, you know, you got kids that are in school, innit? They play football, whatever, at a good level, yeah? So I remember when I was in school, innit? Like, the kids that played for that like, professional teams and that, sometimes they might not go to school every day. I remember one of my boys used to play for Chelsea. I think it's like, maybe like two days a week, he had to go to Chelsea instead of going to school. So what, do you think, as a population, we're going to get to that stage where it's, sorry, sir, I need to leave the class. I've got, a, I've got an expedition. I'm going to play two games of FIFA quickly and there's some money in the line. Like, Once is actually looking into the future, like, it's very easy for everyone to say, no, 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 no. But, bro, that gaming competition is called eSports. It's actually a competition, bro. Bro, don't get it twisted. We're living in the year 2020. In 2013, 2040, the gaming industry, the people that grew up on gaming now, they're going to be CEOs. They're going to push that narrative, yeah? What once is said sounds ridiculous in the year 2020. But I'm telling you, the future, that could work five or six years ago. Girls used to get cussed to say, you think Instagram pays your bills? You think those people are going to pay it does pay their bills now. They're actually breaded from it. Everyone used to laugh at girls that would take a picture every five seconds and say, ah, oh, you think your followers pay? Don't get it twisted. <laughs> what one's is saying, he's just looking into the future. We can't just cuss him and think it's silly. Trust me. No, no, no. We're not cussing him yet. We're disagreeing with the fact that it's not a sport, bro. Like, as in, end of the day, it's a hobby that you can monetize. To say it's a sport or get exemptions from classes because man's got a gaming competition. If you're going to win three million pounds in a competition, you've got to get let off school, you. No, you can't. Do you know what? I think, yeah, the purpose of education is to bring about socially and morally responsible citizens, essentially, for the functioning of the, wide, the wider society. So it's not just about making money. You're not going to school to make money. You're going to school in order to get the knowledge, get the understanding, gain a critical view, gain a um, how to solve problems and whatnot. So if we look at that, even if a, my child is seven, um, as one said, and then, you know, it comes up and making three mil, that doesn't need to take over your education because the thing is, you can make this three mil and you can lose it tomorrow. There's been plenty of footballers that come, they have rubbish money management 100%. and they're broke. The skills that you get from being in school whether indirect or direct, because you're thinking, oh yeah, but I don't need Pythagoras. Yeah, cool, you might not need Pythagoras. The solving of problems that you get, the skills that you get yeah. in education, you're going to need that in life. And also, you, you might need a backup plan. Unless you do like a specialist job, yeah? Like, when I say specialist job, like you're a doctor, after like age 11, you're good to go. You do the basic maths, the percentages, how to write, read. You got, you got it, innit? What makes you think you're good to go? Well, in terms of, in, unless you're doing something really specific, your further study, uh, for example, I studied at A-level maths and that, yeah. I haven't done differentiation since I left A-level maths. I'm trying to say it to you, like, really and truly, I think education is, like, just a way to keep us busy. If you're earning three mil by the age of 12, 
really and truly, you got the skills to move on. You know how to make friends. You know how to add. You know how to take away. You'll get on in life. You'll get on in life. The reason why I disagree with that is because you have to understand what are we defining as skills. If you think about it, when you were 16, what did you think that you knew or what did you think that you had that essentially put you in a position where if someone gave you a wad of cash or someone gave you, gave you a lot of money, you knew how to multiply that or you knew, you knew how to invest that. And let me not, I'm not saying that school teaches you all this because I'm not going to lie. I'm an investor myself. School never taught me how to invest. I'd say the academic education system gave me the ability to think outside the box. And because yeah, yeah. of that, when I, when I apply my critical ability to think from an, edu- from an academic standpoint, and I incorporate that with what I've learned in terms of financial education, in terms of personal development, those things come together and you start to see the importance of school, like I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be real with you. I'm 25 now. The older I get, the more I see the importance of me having done education up to the point that I did it. I get your point in terms of if you're looking to be a lawyer, if you're looking to be a doctor, etc., you have to go to school. And and, yeah. and I agree with that. If I necessarily didn't go to uni, I don't think that necessarily I would be in a worse off place in life. I think I would have definitely have been able to find a job. I definitely think I would have been able to learn how to financially invest. But the thing about it is that now I'm considering furthering my education. If I never gave myself that opportunity, and let's say I got married to Danielle and I had kids, it'd be much harder for me if I never had a degree, for example, to even think of furthering my education or think of going for certain roles because they require a certain level of academic qualification. So, so it goes back to the question of what is the purpose of education and like, you know, what role does it play in shaping people in society? Like my, my wife teaches citizenship, for example, and I wish in school I'd learned about citizenship. Why? Because some, some of these topics and some of these issues that were seeing today with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and whatnot. These are things that ideally you should learn in like sociology or in citizenship in school. But I wasn't, I wasn't taught that. I never had privilege of learning that. And so even though like I've done, so to speak, okay for myself in life, I'm still realizing that there's things that I don't know and I could have learned them in the school setting. You cannot rely on primary school teaching because a lot of kids right now, I'm telling you as a teacher, a lot of them are in there now, they don't even know how to read them right. Best believe Bucks. they're getting away with not even know how to read and write because they won't put their hand up when a teacher asks them. They'll be like, "Oh no, nah, I don't want to say nothing, Miss." They're, yeah. they're acting up, but they, it's because they actually don't even have those skills from primary school. And the thing about it is that, yes, you may not need to know all these certain things in school that they're teaching you, and it's not just about being a lawyer or being a doctor. But the thing is, you want you want you might not even discover what you truly want to do. Yes, you may be making free meal through gaming, but in life, you may not discover what you truly want to do if you don't go through the system of meeting new people in your youth, if you don't go through the system of studying all these different subjects. And so you, I feel like education, you need it. It doesn't matter about whether, whether you're making three, mil, three million or not, because the indirect learning that you're getting from that could help you in order to, to discover actually what you want to do career-wise or in life. Yeah, so our socials, you can find us on uh, Instagram. Uh, mine is at ChairmanJ underscore. Um, and the same on for Twitter as well, at ChairmanJ underscore. Yeah, and then you can find me at Danielle Roxon on Instagram, Twitter. And then you can also check out my website, www.danielleroxon.com as well. Check us out on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is called Mr. and Mrs. B UK. Uh, subscribe, comment, you know the stuff. Yo, people, Josh Wines. Make sure you follow us on all socials at 2.0 underscore POD. Stay